eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Hello and welcome back. Second time this week that you get to hear our our voices, our dulcet tones. We're back for the very first uh, full 10 yard scouting podcast. Uh, obviously the same team as the college podcast, but a little bit of a different spin on things. Instead of focusing on the games and the storylines of college football, uh, in this podcast, we're going to focus on the players, where they're going to be drafted, who's going to be fitting, their strengths and weaknesses, and just saying who's going to save your team in the summer. This week, we're going to move around and we're going to go for the running backs. We're going to start with, in Andy's words, a bit of a sexy position when we were deciding this. And then we'll be rotating around all the starting positions as we go through the next few weeks. Uh, general format of the podcast, we're going to have five guys that we agree on. Generally, the consensus top five guys amongst us. Take one each and uh, then we'll give you our take on those guys. Then we're all going to come up with a sleeper and that's going to be the second half of the podcast, talking about the sleepers at each position, which we've not discussed between each other. So there might be a few shocks and a few left field takes, which I'm sure were regular listeners our used to. Um, but yeah, Lads, we're pretty excited about this one, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely buzzing for this. Um, this has been for me. This is this is something I'm just really looking forward to getting into the whole winter, uh, and it starts now. And for you guys listening, get excited for this because this is the future of the NFL, and we're getting ahead of the curve. We're getting ahead of everyone else to get you this information that we, you know, we're seeing with our own eyes. We're breaking them down. We're breaking each player down and going through them meticulously. So, uh, so yeah, get what you can out of this because this is a really uh, an entrance way to the draft. This is the first you're going to hear of these players probably. Um, you've probably heard some of them at college and then you've heard bits and bobs about them. But here's your definitive scouting from from our perspective of, of these players and, and how they can translate to the NFL. Mm, absolutely, definitely second that. And also just a bit of a maybe branch across to another branch of the full turn. It's obviously great for Devi players as well. You know, any Devi fantasy players, um, these are going to be you guys who you're going to be looking at uh, for for your leagues uh, in for that format as well. So um, obviously, like I said, starting with the running backs. So we've got five players between four of us. Kieran isn't with us at the moment today. Um, we've got Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Trevor Hubbard, uh, Kenneth Gainwell and Javante Williams to discuss between the five of us. And like I said before, a few sleepers amongst us as well. And we're bringing you those as our surprises in the second part of the podcast. Shall we start at the top or should we start at the bottom? Start at the bottom. Start at the bottom and work our way to the top. Yeah. Didn't realise Drake was going to make an appearance on the on the <laughs> pod. <laughs> uh, who's the bottom then? I, I would probably say I would go first on this one. Then I've got Javante Williams, uh, the running back out of North Carolina. I would say it's maybe a bit, a bit tattered unfair for me to say the start at the bottom. Obviously having a great season. With North Carolina Tar Heels, obviously got 19 touchdowns all-purpose, which leads the college football rankings, I'm pretty sure, as we speak. Um, but I would say that he's probably come a little bit from back, the back of the field a little bit, like a couple of other players that we'll be talking about um, over the next few weeks and months. Really having a great season. Um, and this is my kind of rundown of him. I watched uh, three of his games, one from last year against South Carolina, a couple from this year, including the Notre Dame game from a couple of weeks ago. Um a couple of little tidbits uh, from Javante Williams. Actually, used to play linebacker before he became a running back, which um, I feel that sometimes you can actually see that kind of mentality in his play um, because he's all action, isn't he? And he's all sort of not avoiding any contact by any means, um, you know, as he's, as he's kind of chewing up the ads for the Tar Heels this season. 
came to North Carolina as a three-star recruit after a really, really successful high school career, won four straight high school titles from in the state of uh, North Carolina. Uh, but mostly, as I say, playing as a linebacker, I actually only switched to running back for his last season in, in high school, where he racked up two and a half thousand all-purpose yards and 32 touchdowns. So the writing was kind of there on the wall for everyone to see that this guy can play football. Off the field, um, great student athlete, actually the epitome of a student athlete, uh, 4.6 GPA, which is outstanding. Um, so obviously a thinker off the field as well and someone who will be able to make the mental transition to the NFL uh, with ease, I would say. Obviously, we've seen um, you kind of brighter players, Justin Herbert being one that springs out his mind, obviously 4.0 GPA for him. And yeah, just something that I really take a, a note in with, with my reports and things like that. As a running back then on the field, I feel like he can kind of do it all. Um, he runs through the tackles, between the tackles, and he runs out wide quite well. Um, carries defenders with him a lot of the time as well. And one of his most uh, elite traits for me is his contact balance. Absolutely incredible. So tough to take down, especially one-on-one. -on -one. He seems to bounce off defenders, ride a tackle, and then still has the energy to like gear up and burst away from a defender. Um, catching the ball, which he doesn't have a great deal of experience in. He still has a natural catching technique. So really, um, you know, something to work on then, some natural skills to take care of and, and, and sort of build upon. In terms of cons, flipping over to the other side, um, don't see a great deal of lateral mobility. Obviously, we're going to talk about Travis Etienne. We're going to talk about Najee Harris. I don't want to steal anyone's thunder, but one thing that we see from both those guys is these jump cuts, these great lateral movements. We don't see that kind of almost, I've put in my report here, when you get a running back who's kind of like half springbok, half running back, you know, I'm thinking Saquon Barkley, I'm thinking Prime Le'Veon Bell. Javante Williams isn't that guy, he's quite linear. Um, quick enough, but not like a burner, not going to be blown away pe from people with elite speed at the NFL level. Um, and like I say, isn't really a bell cow back, I wouldn't say. He's going to play this role as he does with North Carolina, um, you know, next to Michael Carter. I think he'll be good in that sort of role moving forward. But yeah, elite effort, elite contact balance, there are his best traits for me. Um, I've got a 72 out of 100 on my scale, and that's a late, oh, sorry, mid to late third round grade on him. Um, and that's that's kind of my report on him. Obviously, having a great season. Anyone got anything they want to come in on Javante Williams there? Uh, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll yeah. add to it if there's, if there's no one else going to jump in. Uh, Javante Williams is one that I've been sort of watching more and more this year. Um, I didn't have him really on my radar coming into the year, but since mm. since we've been discussing it with us a lot. And uh, yeah, very much impressed with it, uh, with him. Um I like his footwork. He's got decent vision. Um, he's like you said, he, he's tough, tough to bring down. Um, and yeah, and again, the concerns that you've got, likewise, it it's part of a committee. Now the NFL these days, there are a lot of committees. So if he ends up in one, he could be successful. Um, mm. You know, and that's t tends to be what the scouts are looking for these days. Um, I've got a slightly lower grade. I, I'm, I'm more sort of lower, lower fourth round um, personally, um, but he's definitely an exciting back. Um, the last couple of weeks, I think Michael Carter's I, I've just off the top of my head. I haven't got a box score in front of me, but I think Michael Carter's taken the, the most of the workload the last couple of weeks. I know against Notre Dame, um, they were held uh, both of them were held to, to not very many yards at all um, so that is a slight knock on it you know up against tough defenses struggled um, that is a big translation for me when I'm watching running backs so there could be another slight knock on him but all in all yeah looks like a great talent uh, and certainly got more positives than than the negatives mm. Yeah, I'd agree with that one. Uh, yeah, definitely one to watch uh, as we move forward, but definitely someone that's come to the fore for me. Obviously, I've been taking quite a uh, close eye to North Carolina, and um, yeah, he's definitely one that's popped off the screen for me. 
Rob, you've come in there first. Do you want to start off with, with Kenneth Gamer, one of our younger uh, participants, obviously, as we concentrate on our more draft-eligible players, but someone who obviously has declared, but at quite a young age. Uh, yeah, uh, Kenny Gamewell. Um, his, uh, I, I didn't struggle with Kenny Gamewell because his tape. You watch his tape on on YouTube, and it is, it's a good watch. Um, but when you dig a bit deeper into Kenny Gamewell, you start to see a few cracks appearing. But we'll, we'll cover those in a minute. Let's let's go over the pros uh, and listening to what you were saying about uh, Juante Williams. Like, copy and paste a lot of that over to, to Kenny Gamewell. The fact that he's very versatile, he's got great vision, good burst. He's very hard to take down. I mean, he's breaking tackles left, right and centre. He's got um, this ability to shed tackles fantastically, which is, is good to see. Um, he picks up blitz plays, which I like to see in a running back. That's what I'm loving about Kieran Williams this year for the Notre Dame Foreign Irish. Um, but yeah, so he's, he's good at that. Um, he's got a, another gear. When he gets to open, when Kenny Gamewell gets to the open field, he gets another gear, which very often with college running backs, you don't find that very easily, but he does. If he's in a foot race against a fast linebacker or, or DB, he will find another gear and he will stretch away from, from those guys, which is, is great. Um, he had an incredible game last year uh, in 2019 for uh, against Tulane, where he was the first uh, college player since 1997 to get 100 rushing yards and 200 receiving yards in one game. Um, so it says a lot about him, but... So let's strip it down a little bit. He's uh, five foot 11, 191 pounds, 191 pounds, so slightly un, sort of undersized. Um, but he's got explosive traits, which is what I love about him. Um, comes out of, of Yazoo County High School in, in Missouri. Um, and yeah, it, it, so f- from a positive perspective, looking at his tape, he looks fantastic, explosive, all, all this stuff, versatile. But then I start to, to look a bit deeper and the cracks start coming out for Kenny Gamewell. He, he's only had one season in college football. That was last year. He's opted out this year, so he's not even playing, which is a big shame because he was one player that I really, really wanted to, to sort of watch this year uh, to see how he progressed into his second full year of college. Um, he only played four games in his, his freshman year, so he then came back as a, as a redshirt freshman for his second year. So limited snaps, only done it for one year. That's a that's a big knock, um, as far as I'm concerned. Also, the teams that he's played against. Uh, you go through his um, his game logs, and it's actually when you break it down, he's when he's played against the top schools, he's actually struggled a little bit. Um, they played Penn State last year uh, in um, one of the bowls, I believe. Um, he went nine attempts for 34 yards. Uh, and then you, you look at the sort of tougher teams on the schedule from, from last year. Cincinnati, he didn't break 100 yards. He only went for 87 and 44 in two games against Cincinnati. Houston, he couldn't break 100 yards. Um, and then you start to look at the games. Okay, so where did he break 100 yards? He had 145 yards against South Alabama, 209 yards rushing yards against Louisiana Monroe, 149 against Tulsa. That big game against Tulane, like I said, 203 receiving yards and 104 uh, rushing yards. These colleges aren't the greatest of colleges. So when it comes up against the tougher teams, the Cincinnati's, Houston from last year were pretty good, and Penn State, he struggled. Against the weaker teams, he did really well. That's again what I've just said about Javante Williams playing against Notre Dame. 
you're going to go to the NFL and you're going to be facing top defenses week in, week out. So that's a, that is a slight knock on 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 Kenny Gainwell for me. Um, a couple of quotes: Mike Norvell, his former uh, head coach at, at Memphis, um, he quoted to say uh, he he said uh, could he quite easily use him as a wide receiver and he'd probably still be the best receiver on the team. Uh, and then a commentator made me tickle when I was watching uh, his his highlights a real earlier. Um, and he's, he's just put, he just said, if he gets to the open field against a fast guy, he's going to beat him. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he's, he's got some fantastic traits. Uh, again, he can be used in the receiving game. Um, I've got him, again, slated as a fourth round um, player. I haven't graded him just yet, but he's, he's come out as a fourth rounder for me. And the same sort of tier as Javante Williams. And he's got some similar traits as Javante Williams. So looking at the kind of similar kind of players. Mm. Just playing devil's advocate ever so slightly mm. about his... Lack of experience. Also, we talk about running backs nowadays where yes. they're beat up after the first contract. You know, he's got less tread off the tires. Yeah, it's true. Could be, could be a good, could be a good thing. I mean, I value experience as well, but yeah, I think there's a fine line, isn't there? Mm. Uh, obviously, you you get like your your Jonathan Taylors who come out of college after thousands and thousands of rushing yards um, and has seemingly taken a little while to get going. He has looked better the last couple of weeks, must admit. Um, but you, you, yeah, there is a fine line. Um, I think that Kenny Gainwell, after just one season, is under that line. Um, I would like to have seen a bit more of him. I'd like to to, to repeat it this year. Um, mm. He hasn't. He's opted out. That's probably affected his draft stock. I, I, it's a difficult one with Kenny Gainwell because there's so so little tape. Mm. There's certainly traits of superior talent that if he is able to translate it to the NFL, he could be a really freaking good running back um, who could be using the passing game a bit like an Alvin Kamara type player. Can be, potentially. Um, but I think it's going to take... I think it's going to take a bit... I, I've compared him actually to Josh Jacobs um, as a sort of a, a sort of a player that hadn't got too much mileage on, on the clock. Obviously, Josh Jacobs had, had, had more, but he, he was one of Josh Jacobs' knocks coming out of Bama was he wasn't, he didn't have massive seasons. Mm. Same with Kenny Game of, like I said, one year. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think he could possibly make it, but he's going to be a sort of project guy who is going to be hit or miss. Um, yeah, to add uh, some of the, what I would say a, a little bit of a, a con with Gainwell is that um, Memphis they like to run that um, that sort of spread offense so he's there's not many consistent reps for him as a blocker as a running back I think that that's a big deal for him as strong as he is uh, as a runner um, I agree um, I like the notes that Rob was talking about about his receiving game because um, yeah he's great as a receiver as out of the backfield he um Really, really good. Um, I think one of the reasons that he opted out was um, personal reasons uh, is to do with COVID, to do with his families. I, I won't kind of um, try and guess what it was, but it, it shows his character in a good light. I think that side of it is something that those of us outside the whole draft bubble, it's the one thing we really miss out on is is kind of uh, hearing about the characters of the players. But those all sound uh, positive from his point of view. Um and for me personally, I always like Memphis running backs. Like recently, they've had some. They've had some good. I loved Daryl Henderson a couple of years ago, and uh, Antonio Gibson as well in the last draft, who actually is more similar to Gamewell in terms of what he can give you in your receiving yards. Yep. Um, there's a there's a few of them that come out of Memphis that look really good. And um, 
Yeah, and, and also if you don't like a running back whose uh, name is Gainwell, then uh, then there's something <laughs> yes. wrong with you. Yeah, that should have been my lead-off point, I think. <laughs> let's, let's, uh, let me just ask both of you, and well, all three of you, really. Um, obviously, since it's our first show, kind of giving it a little bit of insight into how we're kind of going about this. How much are we buying in and where are we finding character um, kind of tidbits and places like that? I think it's a big thing. I think it's really important to kind of get to know yeah, the player like behind. I say, for those of us that don't get to actually go to all the, the events and... Um, do all the the spoken face-to-face stuff that obviously the pro teams do it's the kind of bit that we miss out on the mm. most we can watch and all the tape we want yep. but there's certainly you can find like interviews and uh, like i say just um news stories like listening to you know, the reasons behind gainwell's opt-out for example mm. again yep. i'm not going to speculate on it but it was it seemed very very personal very yep. personally covid related and those are all like positive things when you hear about a guy's character i think you can really take that into consideration especially when like the not just to kind of scout and predict where he will for his on-field stuff but how he's going to stack up against the other running mm. backs in the draft yeah i'd completely agree it's a it's a huge part of it and obviously we, we talk about how the fit and the landing spot and things like that also about the character and how they blend into that new squad that they get on as well yeah if they try and fit out then they're going to find it difficult if they fit in and if they get on with all the teammates and the coaches and things like that and, and slide in really nicely, then it's obviously going to be much more beneficial to them and the team as well. Let's um, let's move on then. We obviously are a man down and the player that we had allocated here in his Tuba Hubbard. Um, so we, we're going to Scott stand in in his stead. Um, whether he'll be able to join us later on, I'm not really sure. But yeah, we'll, we'll, go, we'll go for it as a, as a group. And Liam, might you start us off on not on Tuba Hubbard? Yeah, let's talk Tuba. Um, I really liked uh, Tuba Hubbard last year. The little knock on him this year is that he hasn't been as productive, has he? Mm. Um, and interestingly enough, Oklahoma State have been able to run the ball um, still pretty well, but he his uh, his numbers and uh, production seems to have fallen a little bit. Um, might just be a case of teams being able to kind of figure out Oklahoma State's offense as a whole rather than a knock on him individually. But... Um, in terms of, of the sort of running back here, what he showed last year, it's really good all-round uh, frame for a running back. Really good vision. Um, I like just note, got a lot of notes on his vision. It's like the way he can make um, the most out of space that's available. Um, he's got quite an interesting like upright sprinter style of running, and he does get up to full speed really, really quickly. Um, the one kind of knocking him... It's similar to Gamewell, actually. It's a, a little bit as a as a blocker. Um, what uh, he he can't do as well, actually, is is uh, is in the receiving game. They don't use him in the receiving game much at all. Mm. Um, his pass catching can improve definitely. Um, I also kind of noted that he could bulk up a little bit more for the NFL, um, but I always kind of uh, caveat that with it might hinder speed mm. because um, he he can shift. And um, when he's in open space, which he is a he is very good at uh, making space. Um, yeah, he can he can certainly cause problems for defenses. Mm. Yeah, I think it's one of them, isn't it, where he is he excels in space, and you know, like you say, he gears up really quickly and can explode through gaps as well. Very patient behind the line of scrimmage, I thought as well when I was watching him. Yeah, that vision thing. He's um, 
yeah, he, he can he'll he'll find space for sure. Mm. He's a kind of opposite kind of game. Well, in that way, though, in the way that we were talking about earlier, the fact that he's never missed a game, he's played thirteen games last two seasons, hasn't missed a game since. A little bit banged up apparently at the minute. Um, but you know, still churning out the yards, um, you know, and he has done for the whole, whole career. Obviously, been really productive, and I personally buy a lot into production. I like people to stay in college, not for as long as they can. I don't need him to come out as a senior, but I like them to have production under their under their belts. And I think we've, we've got that with Hubbard, and it seems like the character is there as well. Obviously, we had in the summer uh, with the BLM and kind of calling out his coach, um, Mike Gundy, and. It's it just it just one of those things where you've got this young man in front of you and he's making a big step and a, a, a big decision as well to kind of call out your coach on, on a big matter that you know might not have won him a lot of friends in some quarters unfortunately but yeah, I think could, it's a, it's a good point to, to bring up. Yeah, it shows the shows their leadership qualities that are there. And then after um, kind of I think surprising a few people that he didn't enter the draft last year because I think he could have done and he mm. could have um, been like a solid day two pick. And to decide to go back, and uh, and then for the season for him off the field to start like that, uh, it was really interesting. Yeah, no, for sure. I think you I think you're exactly right there. Um, let's move on though. Let's move on from Tuba Hubbard, um, another Canadian player. Actually, got quite a lot of uh, high-profile Canadian players coming out through the draft and obviously into the into the NFL arena at the minute. So, kind of going to be flying that flag um, again next year. Obviously, going to be probably into the draft anyway. We hope yeah, a, lot of, a lot of those northern teams are going to like the like the Canadian players, aren't they? Mm. Yeah. Um, so where should we go next? We said we'd start at the bottom and work our way up, but we've got kind of two running backs um, who kind oh, of can lay lay a bit of a lay a bit of a claim to the number one spot here. Oh well, to me it's a no-brainer. But go on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> go on. Then tell us tell us which way you're you're. you're I, think should, I think we should. I think I think we should. To, to me, it's a no-brainer as well. So it'd be interesting to see which way yeah, you're going to really. go here, Liam. Well, if we're starting from the bottom, we go to Alabama next. Ooh, oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I think it's a tough call. Um, I I probably have Najee up at number one now, to be honest with you. It wouldn't have been that case at the start of the season. I've been a big Travis Etienne fan over the, the well, his whole college career since he's kind of burst onto the scene. Uh, but yeah, I would maybe flip it around now. What about you, Andy? You've, you've remained quiet on this issue here. Yeah, I mean, I'm quite split, to be honest. I I, I actually think uh, Etienne's probably the, the slightly better player, but I think Harris is probably going to have um, the better NFL career. That's uh, that's a diplomatic way to do that. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is. Liam, why don't you start us off with, with Travis Etienne then, and we'll kind of decide amongst us the, between what you both say over the next uh, few minutes. Yeah, let's go to... Travis Etienne, the Clemson Tigers uh, veteran. He's, I say veteran, he's one of those players. He feels like he's been around for a long time, doesn't it? And, and he has the national championships that he's won, the production he's had at Clemson been great. Mm. Um, ACC's all-time leader in career rushing touchdowns and total touchdowns. Um, he's the, the production there just off the scale. He just feels to me like such a, a big play running back. He's capable of breaking big runs just constantly and Clemson we know they're strong we know the the sort of offense that they run but he 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 produces he produces in big games I love what loved uh, watching him like uh, it was uh, the Fiesta Bowl the bowl game last year as part of the college football playoff against Ohio State he had a huge game in that game and honestly don't think Clemson would have won without him I think he was that much of a difference maker in that game um he's 
in terms of his, his style of running, he's just an all-rounder. He's got a bit of everything. Um, I love aesthetically watching him run. He's just smooth. Love watching uh, like the running style and just really good in space. Creates his own space if he needs to. Can just bounce off people so easily. Really good uh, control of his body. Um, just the burst and the power is also coupled with uh, speed. He's faster. He's faster than you think. People were kind of um, this time last year when he was expected to enter the draft. I think people were speculating on his forty time. Um, if they can carry on speculating, it's going to be faster than people think. Um, he's got in catching has improved this year, which kind of needed to, um, which is probably a positive in terms of um, his decision to opt back in. Um, I really like. Uh, uh, something that was brought up about certain running backs and you guys touched it on bringing up Josh Jacobs about the, the subject of too much mileage on a running back, which could be a cause for concern with him. Um, I think um, his kind of vision and um, production as a blocker could improve as well, but there's really not much to dislike with Travis Etienne. And for me, still running back number one this year, he might have, I would probably have put him in the top two this time last year had he entered the draft. And for me, still right at the top in this year's class. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think he's obviously, like you say, he's definitely improved as a pass catcher? Do you think that's vindicated his return? Yeah, it's definitely, you've got to, like, I remember having discussions because I was really for it when the news broke that he was opting back in. I thought it was really interesting. And um, a lot of people, kind of go down the route of take your opportunity when it comes to you that now is the time for him to go back to the draft but if you can go back and continue to produce and then build on certain things like his past catching which was a big knock on him and he has improved on it and it's been interesting to see people um, pick up on it so much um, yeah it's, I think it's a big positive for him going forward yeah mate I mean I was going to say basically the same sort of thing to be honest I mean um, I, I'm not always a massive fan of uh, NFL comparisons and stuff like that, but I think the kind of the, the passing element he's added to his game just just keeps just screaming Alvin Kamara at me, and that kind of like you know he's going to be a jack of all trades, uh, mm-hmm. can do it as part of a committee as we've seen with Ingram, or, or can like carry the the main load on his own back. So yeah, I, I really like him. I think he's going to be a real asset to to a team. Um, it'll be it'll just be interesting to see whether you kind of get that running back uh, debate happening again. Can can you justify a first round pick? Um, when there's a fair bit of depth probably around the second round as we'll mm. probably discuss a bit more uh, as we go through but yeah it, it feels like um, it feels like it, you know it, he, he could have got a really good draft pick last year um, but probably would have to grow a little bit in the passing game in his first season and might have been scrutinised a lot for that but it looks like a sensible decision now and I think he's going to be a fantastic player mm. Yeah I think there, I think there's a bigger bunch at the top of last year's group so I think he's going to find like the right sort of home with because teams will be meeting him whenever they can and I think uh, it's kind of worked out quite nicely for him it is a risk obviously going back when you've got such a good um mm. kind of the good number of stats etc that he has but um yeah I think it's really worked out for him mm. yeah I, I mean I, I'm gonna I'm gonna knock Travis Etienne a little bit and I I, I want to get make it clear I don't think Travis Etienne's a bad player I think he's a fantastic player 
And I think we split, I'm splitting hairs here, but I think we have to in this process when you're scouting. Um, what I will say about Trevor Etienne, I have loved, again, I've loved him on my, he's, he's, he's half won me a fantasy title already this year in, in college fantasy. So I've loved having him on my team. But when you're looking at the box score for Travis Etienne, he has struggled against the better teams. And I mentioned it a minute ago about Kenny Gainwell against Notre Dame, 18, attack, uh, 18 attempts for 28 rush yards. And he's only broken 100 rush yards twice this year and once was 102 yards. When you're looking at the difference between him and like we're going to discuss in a minute, Najee Harris, Harris has got the ability to go off against tough defenses, whereas Etienne has been reserved. And I don't think that's necessarily a major downfall because Etienne is part of a bigger picture. It's not all about the rushing. Like we said, this year he had to come in and prove himself in the passing game because he was non-existent two years ago. And he has done for the most part. Okay, he's had five games under 20 yards receiving this year as well. So, you know, that's, you know, yes, he's had a couple of really good games in the passing game and it has improved tremendously. But I'm starting to think now that this is why I'm swaying. The last few weeks has definitely been telling for me as to why Harris is now ahead of him for, uh, to eat, than ETN is because the rush yards over the last three weeks for, for Travis ETN against a good NFL caliber Notre Dame defense, a good defense in Pitt and a half decent defense in, in Virginia Tech is 28 rushing yards, 58 rushing yards, 66 rushing yards. That to me doesn't scream first round best running board of running back off the board talent. I would just like to have seen a bit more. Like I said, Travis Etienne is part of a bigger picture in, in Clemson with Trevor Lawrence and those wide receivers and that game. But if you're splitting hairs, which is what we're doing here, those are the knocks for me of why I've got a couple of question marks about mm. him. I think he grades out very well. I think he's going to be a superstar at the next level. But we're, you know, like I said, again, I'll say it again, we're splitting hairs here. And that, that's 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 what I think he needs to improve slightly in, in pass blocking. Um, I think he needs to be a bit more physical. Um, he's not over effective between the tackles, but I think that he's got the potential to be great. I think if somebody had said to me this time last year, Travis Etienne couldn't play in big games, I would have, you know, I'd be in shock. <laughs> I think that this year he's suffered with a weaker offense all round. Yeah. Um, like I said, they wouldn't have won the national championship uh, that they won without him. They wouldn't have got to last year's national championship against LSU Definitely. through Ohio Definitely. State without him. Um, he was that good. And I think that this year he is working with a weaker offensive line. <laughs> a difficult situation. I, I can't knock him uh, for kind of like lack of big game stuff this year, the way considering what he's put up in previous years. Well, let's um, let's move on to the retort then. Let's talk some, let's talk some Najee Harris. Um, obviously, we put, put, put forward some good cases there for, for Travis Etienne and also... Rob was correct to obviously flag up the the potential, um, you know, cons in his in his armor and chinks in his armor. But yeah, Andy, tell us about Najee Harris. Yeah, so I had a lot of fun um, digging into Harris a bit. He's a he's a fantastic player, six foot two, uh, two hundred and thirty pounds, and that puts him obviously on the on the larger side of the running back group uh, this year. Uh, if for comparison, uh, Derrick Henry, six foot three, two forty seven pounds, and Mark Ingram, five foot nine, two hundred and fifteen pounds. And I mentioned those two guys because um, for me, Harris is a bit of a uh, a bit of a hybrid of the two of them. You've got all of the power. 
and uh, all of the uh, lower body strength of uh, Derrick Henry. Um, and you've also got some very soft hands coming out the backfield, passing-wise, from the, the, the kind of thing that Mark Ingram brings to the, to, to the table. And obviously, all three of them, uh, Alabama products. So, yeah, very uh, keep, keeping good company. And Alabama seems to be turning into a bit of a running back uh, uni lately with um, uh, Harris as well. For, for the Patriots, they're doing really well. Um, so, yeah, um, I think that uh, Najee Harris is going to be one of the better runners in the NFL over the next couple of years. I think the power back is very much underrated, uh, and there's a lot of like talk about the the scat back and and, and you know the, the guy that's going to catch the ball out the backfield, and that seems to be all the trend at the moment. But you kind of you can just look at Tennessee and see the kind of success that they've got from running that ball, uh, you know, 25, 30 times a game, and it just wears defenses down, and that's what all. Uh, that's what Harris is all about. Um, he's dominant, he's bruising, his size makes him incredibly difficult to tackle. Uh, and when you add into the fact that um, he's an incredibly elusive runner as well, he cuts fantastically. Um, and you, you just don't see, um, you know, defenders bringing him down at that first first attempt, which is, you know, everything you want in a, in a player at that position, isn't it? Um, the footwork is fantastic. Um, you often see him quite patient behind the line and then he'll, uh, burst to the edge and make that play um, and and as Rob has been saying throughout the, the, this episode you, you need the production against the big teams and he's got that time and again I mean he had a five touchdown game against Ole Miss earlier in the year and that's not to say they're a big team or anything like that but he just kind of put the put the Bama offence on his back and, uh, and did it uh, all himself so what a player and in terms of kind of uh, production out the back for, uh, sorry in the passing game which I was kind of reading up what other people were saying about him, and it's quite clear that, that some people aren't are just reading the box score when they're doing some of this scouting work, and it's obviously all too easy to fall into that. Um, but look at his 2019 stats in, in the passing game: 27 receptions, okay, not blowing the world away, 304 yards and seven touchdowns. He turns those uh, he turns those catches into incredible production, and he's doing it again this year. He hasn't had the touchdown return in that in that aspect, but. 26 uh, uh, receptions for 247 yards and and when the ball gets fired his way he's just got incredibly soft hands he brings it in really well and, and you know if you want you want that and you're running back and you want to be able to rely on that all, all the time don't you so yeah um, fantastic player I, I found a couple of things watching tape which um, slightly uh, worried me but but nothing that it can't be ironed out uh, first and foremost we've talked again today about uh, pass protection He's a very willing blocker, and when the uh, when the like, defender comes up against him, they're not getting past him. He's a man mountain. But what I was what I was seeing is there's a few few occasions where he just wasn't identifying the, the correct uh, person to pick up, um, and occasionally he'd kind of see the correct person to, to pick up, uh, check them, but then the kind of they check them straight into the quarterback or things like that. So just very simple things you can kind of iron out, and I'm sure that would be the first thing the running backs coach will, will, will do with them in the NFL. Uh, there's obviously a, a, a bit of a lack of breakaway speed compared to maybe ETN. Um, but but what do you expect from this kind of runner? He's just difficult to bring down. And if he gets a bit of open turf, he's going to hammer it towards it. And he's not bothered if the safety moves into his path. He's going to just trample over him anyway. So not, not worried about that at all. The, the one thing that did kind of bother me slightly was that, um, and it's been something that's annoying me about uh, some running backs in general in the NFL at the moment, is everyone's trying to be Le'Veon Bell. 
taking a bit too much time behind the line and then, you know, like faffing around a bit and then they get one or two yards. Whereas if they just hit the line as hard as they could, there's a five, six yard gain there for the taking. That screams to me a bit of uh, of what Harris is about at the moment. He, he cuts to the outside quite a lot. And then he's really looking for that outside uh, gap to attack. But sometimes it's just not there and you'll go down one yard gain. Whereas it, you can see that if you just hit the open hole, uh, straight away downhill, there's a five, six yard gain. So yeah, but but again, not like it's it, that's really coachable. So I'm not at all worried about that. Mm. And uh, frankly, I, I'd love him at the Dolphins. I think he's everything that we've been missing since probably Ricky Williams. Uh, and like that's just you know that'd be absolutely perfect for us. Mm. Speaking maybe maybe a bit unfair this, but uh, speaking of another Alabama running back who couldn't hit an open hole, Trent Richardson, maybe a bit <laughs> of that syndrome from him uh, from time to time. But Rob, did you want to come in on that? Sorry, you had to hand up a little bit before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Andy mentioned 2019. I'm gonna I'm gonna do my, my sort of my best Kieran impression here, like against the best team in college football in 2019 that's that's my my kieran impression for you uh, against lsu he went for 146 yards last year that's an elite defense that he went up against you look at all those players that are in the nfl now patrick queen chase on all those guys that went to nfl he's got 146 yards on the ground against them in week nine last year um yeah super impressive super super impressive um the knocks that I've got on, on him was, as Andy was saying, it, it's it's a, it's a struggle with the change of direction for me. Like like Andy said, he goes to the outside and then he sort of realises that he should be probably cutting in. And he, I think he struggles with that change of direction sometimes, probably because he's such a big guy. Um, and he's, you know, he's, he's, not the, he's not the quickest off the line because, again, he's a, he's a big guy. But uh, these these huge units are, are being successful in the NFL. You, you look at, you know, Zeke's not a small... I've got him compared to Zeke slightly just because of the physique um, and, and of the, the way that he runs. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look at Derek Henry and, and how he's plowing through people. Nigel Harris has got that ability, and I love that about him. Um but yeah, Andy summed it up very nicely. And and for me, like I said, when I first started doing this process a couple of weeks ago, um, I think it was very, very close between ETN and, and, and Harris. But now Harris just about nudges it for from the last few weeks. I think what we've got here is a classic case of two different running backs that we value differently by different yes. teams. Yep. So for, for so pretty similar to what we've got amongst the four of us, we'll have NFL teams that all love ETN because they'll fit their system and we'll yep. have the opposite. Um, on the opposite way and I think that the teams towards the end of the first round will want an ETN type player um, whereas I think the teams at the beginning of the second round will want that power smash mouth player mm. um, so that's why I think ETN probably still goes ahead of it, Harris but again like I said a minute ago and I've said three or four times during this podcast we're splitting hairs these are two elite players um and one more thing just to go all Kieran on us one more time um and RJ Harris a weakness of his it's the hips he needs to loosen the hips <laughs> doing Kieran proud here in his absence for sure <laughs> on Liam um I just yeah I, I can't wait to see how Nigel Harris finishes the season um last year's class would have been awesome wouldn't it if Etienne and Harris had come out as well um this time last year I was a little shaky on on Harris and then he he kind of won me over and I he would have um I would have placed him in my overall uh, rankings quite high eventually and he's doing the same again this year I just 
every time I, I watch him forget all the pros that he does have and everything that he can bring um, to a pro offense, that um, coaching at Alabama is something that's very important going up to the NFL because of how professional and outfit Alabama are these days. And it just mm. always works out for them in the run game, that, that everything that's involved in the run game, that's O-line, the running backs, um, they're going to be valued so much. And uh, yeah, there are going to be teams that Harris is going to be top of their running back list in the NFL for sure. Mm. Yeah, it'd be interesting discussion amongst us moving forward. I'm sure when we get to the springtime after the winter, I'm sure we'll be doing mock drafts and things like that. And maybe beyond round one as well, where we'll be able to include these guys. Because I think in the two mock drafts that we've done as a group or the two mock draft exercise, I don't think we've had a running back go in the first round amongst our whole we managed to fit in Etienne did we? to the Jets because the Jets have got a second yes, you first did, round right. pick. Yes. Um, and I would still say that that's his ceiling kind of uh, draft. Mm. It'll be surprised if he goes top 25. I think it's that, yep. that kind of little window at the end of the first where someone might sneak in. You've got to consider that the fifth year option thing comes in as well if a team really needs another running back. Mm. It would much rather just get him at the end of the first and pick up that fifth year option then wait till the second um, but the, the team will very easily do it with, with Harris if they prefer uh, Damien Harris as well yeah interesting to get that fifth year option then you can discard them after they want to get paid yeah once, yeah exactly <laughs> once, <laughs> once they've run themselves into the ground for five years yeah and with, with Andy saying about running backs faffing around a bit that's the second Melvin Gordon shout out that we've done on this podcast so far so yeah <laughs> Um, anyway, we digress. So we've got a little bit of a, we've got a little bit of a dichotomy between Etienne and, and Najee Harris. So uh, yeah, well, we'll let the, let the listeners decide who they would prefer on their team uh, towards the end of the first round, maybe at the start of the second. But um, yeah, that's our that's our five uh, main running backs done, and yeah, we'll move on to our sleeper picks now in the second part of the program. So yeah, we're into our sleepers, um, and this is where we've got a little bit of a secretive um, sort of methods surrounding this we don't actually discuss our sleepers week to week we can just go away so if we stand on each other's toes it doesn't matter but hopefully we'll prepare a backup anyway so we don't all just go for the same person but amongst running backs there's so many sleepers out there so many players out there and so many sort of interesting corners of college football that you can go to for this i think we've got a couple at least coming up um but yeah this should be a really interesting part of the show i know that robin um, and liam kind of thought they had the same one when we were recording our usual college football podcast does anyone want to volunteer to go first? Um, they want to kind of steal in before anyone else might take their guy. Liam, no, you want go, to go, go last? ahead? No, go ahead. <laughs> go on. You want me to go first? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. All right then. Let's go deep into this draft class. I'm going to tell. Not, we're not going to go. I'm not going to take you too deep. We're staying in the FBS. Um, let's go. We're going to the MAC, and we're going to Ball State University. And I want to talk about a guy that I am really going to enjoy watching for the rest of the season and hope that he can play himself into draft contention. And that's Ball State University's running back, Caleb Huntley. He's going to be one of my favourite running backs in this draft. Um, I absolutely love watching him. He's big, solid running back, 5'10", about 230 pounds. The sort of kind of power build running back that Damon Harris is. Um He's had a, a great career at Ball State University. I'll give you um, some numbers. Freshman year, was he went over 1,000 yards rushing straight away. That was no bother. And then uh, each year since, 
Um, his uh, yards per carry has increased 4.8, then 4.9, then 5.1 last season. So far this season, 5.5 uh, yards per carry. Now he's in his senior year. Um, and last season was his best um, rushing-wise uh, with over 1,200 yards uh, of production. He carries the load for Ball State University and he seems to uh, love doing it. They love giving him uh, 30, 40 carries a game and he produces um, vision, looks good. Um, he just has so much uh, kind of poise in being able to find holes in the O-line breaks tackles really easily he can get around tackles if he needs to um i love some of his highlights he can cut on one foot as well um he's much faster than his build suggests as well and get him out into the open then he moves away from defenders for long touchdown runs really really fun to watch um for a guy of his size um last season as i say if you can find any of his highlights from last season i recommend them but this season he's also um playing really really well there was a game he had on the road to eastern michigan where he had 204 yards and three touchdowns and uh yeah it was uh, it's a great watch and the reason why ball state are doing so well this season as well i think he's the main uh, reason offensively speaking um i like to what we were saying earlier about character some of the interviews that he has he seems to always big up his teammates uh, which is a really nice, really good sign. Really like that. Um, he, a couple of cons, he doesn't catch much. We've already talked about um, running backs and their um, production as receivers. It's a big thing nowadays in, in the NFL. Um, perhaps due to his size, he lacks a bit of initial burst and acceleration. It does make up with it, um, with the vision. Um, like I say, he'll be a, he'll be a late round uh May if he manages to be drafted at all, but I'm really going to be rooting for him. I really like him as a sleeper. So uh, yeah, remember the name Caleb Huntley. Mm, yeah, I like it. Do you do? You, is it a hope rather than an expectation that he'll get drafted? Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's kind of like seventh round slash undrafted free agency kind of um, valuation for him right now. But he's 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 capable he's worth a look and the sort of things that um an offensive coordinator in the nfl can kind of teach him and help him those are the areas he needs to improve i think there's a few things um that are coachable but um yeah when you watch him play and how he moves he keeps his legs churning he picks his knees up through tackles kind of really really moves really nicely and for the level he plays uh he's a real difference maker for for ball state and Mm. uh yeah as a well worth a, a look in his senior year, definitely. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Rob, was that was that your guy as well? I know you were picking a Mac guy. No, um, not not my guy. Uh, and yes, I am picking a Mac guy. But strangely, uh, same conference. But uh, my guy has never actually played Ball State, uh, which is an interesting mm. little stat nugget. Uh, I am going to take Jarrett Patterson. Uh, running back for the uh, Buffalo Bulls and purely just because of a stat-based analysis, really, because if you're looking for your Jonathan Taylor of this year uh, in regards to rushing yards, then then, uh, Jarrett Patterson is your guy. We're currently, um, he's played four games this season and has currently rushed for uh, just shy of a thousand yards. Yes, that's four games, a thousand (laughs) yards, 920 yards, uh, because in the last game against Kent State, he got 400 109 rushing yards 
and eight touchdowns. Um, so that's why this guy's on my radar. Um, don't let the stats fool you. Uh, the Mac is not the greatest of conferences. Um, the opponents are not the greatest of opponents. Um, however, you can't ignore that. And the fact that he's done this year from year from year, because he's never rushed yet less than a thousand yards. Last year, he rushed for 1,799 yards and had 19 touchdowns. Um, he's an absolute animal uh, in that conference. Um, so when you see these guys that come into the NFL from the small schools, this guy could definitely tick that box because, you know, he's clearly talented. Um, he's going to be a late pick if he's picked at all. Similar kind of conversation to what Liam just had. It's kind of a seventh round undrafted free agent territory for Jared Patterson just because he hasn't done it for a big school. But clearly there is talent and talent could win out. Now, obviously the knock would be the mileage, um, you know, over 600 attempts in college is, you know, <laughs> is is deemed bad for, for, for some scouts, um, you know, just like it was for, for Jonathan Taylor coming out of Wisconsin last year. Um, there's not a lot of variance to his speed, his limited ac- acceleration. I uh, needs to work on separation um, as, as well. But um, and s- if there is a knock, he's slightly undersized for the NFL at 5'9", 195 pounds. But he's a dominant runner. And the best thing I like about him is he can change his style depending on the opponent, um, which is a handy little tool to have in his back pocket. Uh, really effective between the tackles. Um, excellent ball security. I don't think he's fumbled at all. If, if uh, my my um, analysis has, has found anything, I don't think he's fumbled of all of those 602 carries is a pretty, uh, pretty good stat. Mm. Um, I'm just trying to vet that as we're going along. Um, I can't see a stat that says it actually, but I don't, I seem to remember me reading somewhere that he hasn't fumbled once, which is incredible. Um, so yeah, uh, it's solid hands, um, hasn't been used in the passing game this year. Um, however, he was used in the passing game, uh, in 2019, um, where he had a, a 209 yards receiving. So not overly used in the passing game probably won't be used if he's in the NFL. Um, he's going to be one of these sort of ball runners through the tackles um, and a guy that if he gets the hole will go. Um, but yeah, uh, he's an outside chance of, of getting onto a practice squad, possibly a roster. Um, it would be fantastic to see him because um, he is absolutely dominant. Mm. Yeah. Obviously caught everyone's eyes didn't he, with his performance yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Um, but yeah, no, nice to get two Mac shouts in there. Obviously, I think Liam, you mentioned a couple of weeks ago, didn't you? There's a lot of Mac running backs that are worth kind of having a little look at. Yeah, it's a good conference, good conference for running backs. Mm. And I think we've named the best two. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people will agree with that one. Um, Andy, we'll come to you next. You're heading over to the fun belt, I believe. Yes. Sorry, I stole yours in there, which was... Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> but I'm glad you prepared a backup because I didn't. So that's a <laughs> lesson for next week. But yeah, I'm going to uh, go down to Louisiana uh, and the Raging Cajuns and Elijah Mitchell, who I first uh, stumbled across whilst uh, scouting his teammate, Robert Hunt, the uh, tackle for the Dolphins now, but uh, obviously got drafted last year. And uh, Mitchell immediately kind of jumped out as somebody who I was interested to see um, a bit more of and uh, and now I've had the chance to. Um, interesting school in terms of uh, running back uh, history in the NFL, not, not a whole lot, but the Raymond Calais, his uh, teammate was, I think, drafted in the seventh round by the, by the Bucks last year. So, um, yeah, not, not a bit of like... 
uh, competition between them and a bit of a running back by committee um, approach by the Raging Cajuns the la last season. And, and that last season, he still uh, produced uh, about 1,200 yards and 16 touchdowns. So very productive there. Um, for me, it's another one of those ones where the stat sheet doesn't show it. But when you watch the tape, he's a very good pass catcher. That's the kind of top thing that stood out for me. Very soft hands. And then also the ability to kind of take the ball in and immediately get into into full stride and, and get down the field. So there's a lot of like decent little chunk gains there and screen passes and, and that sort of thing, which are mm -hmm. stand out on tape for me. Um, the second attribute that, to highlight from him is his vision. He's very good at just seeing that hole and, and bursting through it and then also being able to anticipate where the linebacker's coming from to get past them into the second level. So that, that's what I really like. They're a bit of a like north-south runner. Uh, who at 5'11 and 218 pounds, you wouldn't really expect that to be his, his best bit of his game. But but for me, that is. Um, and then he, he's not um, he's not weak at all when he's when he's uh, been held up just after the tackle for two, three yards. He, he, his lower body gets churning really well, moves the pile um, and not afraid to, to lower the shoulder on the linebacker and, and go in where it hurts. So, yeah, all, all round, like, I think there's a, there's a lot to like about him. Compared to your likes of your Harry, so I obviously also spent the week watching. Uh, there's a few glaring deficiencies. First and foremost was his uh, his like elusive uh, attribute. I don't think there's a lot there. I saw him being uh, brought down by ankle tackles uh, at the first a lot on on tape, and that's obviously not what you want. Was two three yard gains when when the whole field's open beyond that that one uh, linebacker or edge rusher who's, who's peeled off to bring him down. Um, and then for this kind of size back, you expect them to have a bit more in the speed uh, speed category. There's not a lot of speed there. Um, it's quite average. I mean, I'm, I don't do him any any kind of disparity in that because I, I couldn't run anywhere near as quick as him. But he's uh, he's certainly not the uh, going to tear away from your secondary sort of guy. Um, and then the final thing to, to pull out is, is obviously what we've talked about a lot today is, is pass protection. I must be I must be honest. I went everywhere trying to find some film of him in pass protection. Couldn't find any, and there's probably a good reason for that, isn't there? And uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and the, the only one I did see, he, he completely misread the, uh, the the rush and, and and tried to block thin air. So yeah, that's probably why he doesn't do it a lot. Uh, yeah, as, as, as uh, Andy mentioned, he's worked with Raymond Calais and, and another draft prospect this year, Trey Ragas. This, um, I think that's how you pronounce it. Do correct me if I'm wrong. Um, yeah, and, and I think that he's quite dependent on that running back by committee. And if he lands in a in a if he lands in a team like I've put down the Chargers or 49ers, one that's got a few running backs that can spread the workload around, he could be quite effective. Um, but they do use a lot of zone. Um, and jet sweeps in that offense for Louisiana Lafayette. And I think that when he gets to the next level and he's going to be facing stacked boxes, he might struggle a little bit. Um, but there's definitely loads of talents there. Um, there's a lot of good aspects to his game. Um, I'm not sure that there's one sort of outstanding thing that's going to blow scouts away, though. Having said that, this is a, this is a guy that you can pick up probably late in drafts i'll be talking sleepers here so they're all going to be in the same sort of ilk here mm. um and and like i said if he lands on the right team in the right committee he could be a guy like austin eckler who has you know made a position his own just for a couple of years experience um so yeah that's, that's that that was my take on, on watching larger mitchell mm. i won't add too much obviously I, I spent the week watching him as well or part of it because he obviously was my original sleeper but um just to add a couple of things i think andy's right i think he's very feast and famine I think he's definitely got the 
potential to break off a big run via catch or via just running through the, the, the defense. But there's a lot of nothing there as well. There's a lot of one yard gains or no yard gains, um, which was yeah one thing I picked up. And I thought he was quite an upright runner. I didn't think he ran behind his pads very well. I thought he had like a high center of gravity. And I think that led to quite a lot of these ankle tackles just to, to kind of add a little bit onto the back of that. Um, but yeah, I agree with both of you guys. I think he's a, a late, late pick, seventh round, undrafted free agent kind of borderline pick. But um, definitely got something there. I think he'll be, you know, if someone picks him up undrafted free agent, I think he'll be a priority free agent for someone um, who's in the need for a running back and in, in the spring, I mean. So yeah, yeah, good, good player. Definitely one to keep an eye on as time goes on. And um, yeah, one we'll be kind of looking out for on day three, I'm sure, for, for all of our teams, really. So as Andy sniped my uh, my sleeper, I'm going to go back to a guy who I really liked in the summer. He's not actually played this this season, which probably makes him a sleeper because I don't think he would have been a sleeper as um, he would have played if he'd have played this year, should I say. Um, I'm going to talk about Max Borgie, who's coming out of Washington State. We've talked a lot about running backs and we've not talked a great deal about receivers as the running, you know, as the running backs that we talked about, but Max Borgie is essentially a wide receiver that plays in the backfield every now and then. Obviously coming from a Mike Leach offense, someone that's going to have caught, caught a lot of balls and he has done. Um, he's probably caught more balls than he's actually ran. I don't have the stats in front of me at the moment, but absolutely soft hands, absolutely elite pass catcher. I graded him about as high as I could do for pass catching because um, he runs a route tree. He doesn't just catch out the backfield on screens and on swing passes. He runs a route tree. He's a bit like an Austin Eckler, as we just mentioned. Someone who can play as a wide receiver. Alvin Kamara, who's another one we've mentioned uh, this evening as we've been recording. I watched the three games for all from last year because obviously he's had a bit of an injury this year. I was looking for him to play in a different offense and I thought that might have made him a bit of an all-round back this year. So I've been a bit disappointed that he's not managed to play under Nick Rolovich in Washington State. But um would have been interesting if he'd followed Leach actually to Mississippi State in the in the transfer portal. But as I said, yeah, elite hands, great, great um receiving game all round. Obviously, like say you're not gonna play for Mike Leach, Mike Leach otherwise. He's a a decent um running back as well. You know, he can run between the tackles, but very much an outside getting into space guy. Can make someone miss, but not like elusive, elusive, I wouldn't say. Um, but he's definitely gonna be a useful player in a committee and he's gonna be this you know, third down running back, he's definitely going to be able to carve out a role in the NFL. And, it, you know, for his size, he's quite strong. Measurements-wise, he's 5'10", and just a touch under 200 pounds. So again, can bulk up, maybe going back to what Liam said earlier in the episode, don't want him to lose that speed, because he's not like Travis Etienne quick, I wouldn't say. But a very, very serviceable running back, I would say, um, moving forward. Whether he'll be, you know, he's definitely going to be a day three pick, I think, because he's had a back injury all year. And that's going to slow him down. And it's what have you done for me lately, as we've mentioned quite a lot on you know this podcast and also on the usual um, college football podcast. My cons aren't really plentiful. I don't see a massive weakness apart from his lack of maybe usual running backness, if that's an actual thing. He's definitely part of a committee. He needs to get a bit stronger as well, because as much as he does ride a few tackles, it's a bit inconsistent with that. Um, so whether... Whether we can see him being a, a you know a bell cow back or whatever, I'm not really sure. I've really tried to stay away from calling him Christian McCaffrey as a white running back, but there is that air about him. I don't want to go there, but you know there is that air about him, especially coming out of the Pac-12 as well. An interesting player. I wish we'd got to see him, especially wish we got to see him in a different. Your uh, your screen's too bright, mate. I can't see a thing. 
What are you trying to show us there? The top article is uh, is running back Max Borgie, the next Christian McCaffrey. And oh, really? <laughs> I really, really, yeah. really didn't want to go there. It's too, it's too far too obvious. Um, but, you know, there is those slight comparisons there, like I say, especially coming from out West. But an interesting player that I'm sure we'll see drafted on day three and, and carve out a role in the NFL. Yeah, he's a bit different to C-Mac kind of just yeah. quality wise mm. I don't think people should expect him to be like a, a sleeping mm. C-Mac he's like no. a diet C-Mac at most and that's what I've got in my report C- I'm surprised to, 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 yeah. yeah surprised to hear that he's 5'10 he seems smaller so that's interesting I think that's because he runs he's like the opposite of what we were just saying about Elijah Mitchell I think Elijah Mitchell runs really tall whereas Boggy's quite small he protects the ball quite well he runs behind his pads yeah. kind of thing. I think that's kind of gives that impression I would say He's a junior, isn't he? He's like, cause he seems. Yeah, I'm surprised. He seems like he's been around for. He seems like he's been around longer. Mm. Yeah, um, I think another thing that I didn't mention was another thing that I really look out for as well is if they play multiple sports. And Borgy ran track. He ran hundred meter relay. Yes. Uh, in the in high school, should I say? So yeah, it's another thing that I've kind of looked out for. He's definitely got a lot of speed there. Yeah. Go on, Rob. Is that what you were about to say? Yeah, there? yeah. I was, I was about to say <laughs> speed, um, unbelievable speed. Um, and as like everyone else has said, I've, I've got in, in my report of him as well a downsized Christian McCaffrey. So <laughs> between downsized diet and, and whatever else you want to say, you get the picture. Um, but just for, for argument's sake, my NFL comparison was Naheem Hines, obviously having a great season for the Colts. Again, yes. he is the pass catching guy. This guy had 89 uh, targets uh, in 2019, which was the most amongst running backs and was only second behind Kenny Gainwell in yards, um, you know, with 597 yards, five touchdowns. So this, this kid really is a fantastic receiving back. I think he's the best receiving back in the class, which I think will then bolster his stock. And like you said, that he's had a back injury, so that might hinder him slightly but I think that's attractive I think the scouts are going to be attracted by the fact that he's this guy that you can stick in at third down and he's going to be productive that mm. speed is incredible um, he's got a lot of things that NFL scouts are going to like which I think is going to up bolster his, his draft stock um, more so than just your run of the mill sort of elusive running backs that are, are plenty in that sixth seventh undrafted free agent sort of pool that we've got there's there's probably 15 running backs that tick those boxes max borgie is something different he's got something different it's a bit better than the rest of them so i, I really like it it's a great shout it's interesting lee you said about his um his route sheet because of being in a mike leach offense you don't don't see like the most complicated um routes too often even from like running backs perspective and one of the reasons that having rolovich come in as a head coach would have been interesting to see because i mean he's a pretty good replacement for leach and the, the way that he plays his offenses mm. at hawaii is is all out attack and in, in a lot of games the same mm. as a mike leach offense but still think that he would have kind of given him a few more uh a few more kind of tweaks and a few different change of directions to some of his routes mm. Yeah, hopefully, you know, this back injury is kind of lingering, but hopefully we'll get to see some part of him over the next, uh, you know, few weeks as the college football season draws to an end. But yeah, kind of one one thing that I definitely, you know, had down from the summer that I would have liked to see. I didn't think Nick Rolovich was going to play run and shoot, but it would have been no. a spread offence that he would have been able to, you know, have some success in, I, th- I would have thought. Yeah, it would have given him a, it would have given him um, like a different, a different, pers- a different playbook to, to kind of run, come out of the backfield. 
with as much as like I just said that like Hawaii were quite attack minded, but there mm. there was there would have been more to it definitely. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, one for watch. Um, some good sleepers amongst us. I think quite a diverse amount of sleepers as well throughout the four of us. Um, so yeah, that leaves us there with a good number of players to sort of feast your eyes on, I guess, over the next few weeks. Um, have a little check up, make sure you know you agree with us or not, as the case might be, if you watch these guys on tape. But um, yeah, we'll leave that there for for next week. And um, well, we've not actually decided on what our next position is going to be, is it? What what we'll have to do is have a little think about in the group chat but maybe switch it over to defense move it around yep. and um yeah we'll come back yeah. next week with some some more players for you all yeah let's go defense Flip. next flip-flop we'll try and figure it we'll try and figure it out it's a secret for now yeah <laughs> yeah but you know thanks for listening um obviously second one of the week with podcasts and we're here to stay with a couple of podcasts per week for you guys so hope you all enjoyed this one uh, much more scouting in the future and uh, yeah thanks for listening we'll, we'll catch you next time thanks for listening to the podcast For all your football needs, check out our website, full10yards.com, or follow us on Twitter at Full10YardsCFB. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.